COVID-19, or the coronavirus, has become a daily part of life for almost the entire world. Where is God? What's he doing right now? What do his children do when COVID touches them? At this point, so many people have personal experiences with COVID-19, and our family does too. My sister, Anna, was diagnosed with the coronavirus on March 19th. She spent 16 days in isolation in her bedroom while her husband, Eric, cared for their four children while also being quarantined to the house. Anna came out of her room on April 1st, and the family has been transitioning back to some version of normal since then. Anna and Eric have been married for 13 years. Their four children are nine, seven, four, and almost two. Their life didn't stop while Anna was sick. Eric was on duty 24-7 taking care of the kids and providing Anna with food and doing the laundry and the dishes and all of those things. Anna and Eric have graciously agreed to tell us about the past few weeks. We'll be interviewing them separately since separation was an essential characteristic of those 16 days of isolation. Anna will go first, and then in the next episode, you'll get to hear Eric's side of things. If you'd like to hear the details on how COVID-19 presented in Anna's case, she actually did another interview for Citizen Talk, a podcast from Hillsdale College. That interview covers the more practical aspects of the illness itself, exact dates of onset, symptoms, etc., We'll post a link to that interview on the episode's page of our website, which you can find at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com. We'll try to make the best use of our time today and not duplicate too much of that information. This is a podcast that tells stories about what God is doing right now in the world. We focus on what is happening with, in, or through Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. I'm your host, Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Let's get started. So we have today an interview with Anna Kober, and uh, some of you listening may already know this, but this is a special privilege for me because Anna is my daughter, and her journey that she's going to share today has been precious for all of us and emotion-filled, and um, lots to learn there. So we're looking forward to hearing from Anna. And Anna, our listeners have already heard a little bit about your background and the fact that you have been infected with COVID. And as this is like real recent, actually, you are now, I believe, day 24 from when you first became symptomatic. So first of all, can you share with us, how are you actually feeling today? Today, I'm feeling a lot better. I would say I'm probably at 95% full capacity today. All my symptoms are gone. The remaining symptoms are just feeling tired and my throat, uh, my voice not being very strong. That's good. So I know you came out of quarantine um, on day 16, so not quite a week ago. And that's been a gradual journey back into your family life uh, with all the kids. So, and you and your husband, Eric, are you know, working back to who's going to be doing what. But can you just share with us what what did quarantine mean 
you know, we say you were in quarantine, you're in isolation. So, so what did that mean? It meant that I was in my room for 16 days. I didn't leave my room at all. My husband brought my food to me and he would set it right inside the door on my dresser and kind of wave to me and try to hold his breath and walk out of the room. (laughs) And he would take all my dirty dishes back down and then bleach them in bleach water and, you know, try to be very careful. It meant that I didn't really get to see or hold my kids for 16 days. I, I could see them out the window, which was really great. And I would shout down to them as much as I could when they were outside. And uh, because of technology, we got to FaceTime and see each other that way. And I could hear them, which I was really grateful for. Um, when coming out of isolation was a hard decision to navigate because there isn't much research. So we tried to stay as long as we could in isolation. And then as time progressed, we realized I would need to clean my room and disinfect everything when I was able to come out. So me being strong enough to do that was another factor in that decision. Yeah. So when you came out, what did you do? Like you you disinfected your room. I went crazy. No, (laughs) I... (laughs) I took, uh, I I did, I disinfected my room. I used Clorox wipes and wiped everything in my room. And then, you know, everything that was out in my room. And then I took down the the drapes and the uh, sheets and sent them downstairs in single loads to my husband who was putting them in the washing machine with gloves. And I disinfected the bathroom, which meant taking everything out of, all the cupboards and wiping it down with bleach water, wiping all the surfaces, cleaning the shower first with a cleaner and then using a disinfectant on it, all while wearing a mask because the fumes were ridiculous. And then um, using bleach water on the floor to mop it and just being very kind of had to plan out how I was going to do all that. So I didn't reinfect things that I had already cleaned because of where I put them. So it was kind of a intense process. Yeah. You guys have been really careful to not expose anyone else and to keep to the isolation. And I know your neighbors and your community really appreciate that. So thank you for doing that. There was a lot that was hard about this, but if, if you could say, what were the hardest parts of this for you? I think the hardest part for me was navigating the unknowns with the illness. Um, there were some times when I was really bad, probably days like five and six, where I didn't know how much worse I was going to get. And I was having some shortness of breath. And I don't really remember much about those days right now, but I do remember having moments where I wondered, you know, if I was going to have to go to the hospital, um, if I was going to die. And that was probably the hardest thing for me. What were the nights like for you? The nights were really hard. I would dread closing my blinds at night and having it get dark because the view out my windows was so life-giving to me. Um, And at night I knew I needed to sleep. 
but it was very hard to sleep because of the coughing. And so there were two or three nights where I would be up till about 3 a.m. until I was so exhausted. I just fell asleep with my face, like almost right in the humidifier, you know, (laughs) just trying to not cough and trying to sleep. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it was pretty scary for you. It was, it was, it was very scary to, I, I think it's really just the unknown. I wasn't experiencing symptoms where I couldn't breathe, but my chest was getting tight. The area under my sternum was sore from trying to breathe. And I just didn't know how much worse I could get before I would have to go to the hospital. And my biggest fear was going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So what did you do when you were scared? Well, I think my first inclination when I'm scared is to try to distract myself. And that only lasts for so long, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, it does help. It does help to fight fear. I think distraction is a, is a good tool that we can use. But you also have to face your fear at some point. And those times what helped me the most was um, songs that spoke truth about God. So like in the night when I would be laying down trying to sleep, many of those nights I just played praise music on my phone and I fell asleep to it and it just kept playing. And that was what was in my head as I was waking up then, whatever song I had listened to. And there were several nights where I, it was like I could hear that song so strongly that it was like, it was like God was singing it to me and reminding me of it. What kinds of things like, do do any of those phrases come to your mind or some? Yes. Um, There's a song, one song in particular called Waymaker that just says who he is. Who God is. Yes. And that he's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness that is who you are. And so focusing on who God was. And then there's another song. It's called Remember by Brian and Katie Chorwalt. And that one I had playing and I was really worried that night that I was going to die. And I was worried about my children. And I was worried about my husband. And I just kept praying, Lord, please help me. Please help me please give me peace. Please help me know. And in that song, there's a line um, that just talks about that God has conquered death. Remember, he's not done yet. He's not finished yet. And it was like this beam of hope into my soul um, when I heard that phrase and I just wanted to just shout, amen. (laughs) And um, just so just being reminded of those truths through music was very helpful to me. And then as I got a little bit stronger, every day I would um, write, I, w- I was reading in the Psalms. I would just read one Psalm every day. And I was reading through the Psalms in the 20s and the 30s. And um, in those Psalms, Psalms 20s and 30s, David talks a lot about um, God's steadfast love and about who God is. And he talks a lot about learning God's ways. And understanding who God is. And that was a really good reminder for me. 
did you did you particularly sense a certain aspect of God like himself with you or I felt like God was underscoring to me his sovereignty and his love and sovereignty meaning that he is in complete control there's a verse in the psalms that says that he sits enthroned over the flood the lord sits enthroned as king forever and that fact that he has absolute complete control over everything and that would be terrifying if he didn't love me but then coupled with the fact that he loves me which is this phrase steadfast love is just repeated over and over in the Psalms. The fact that he has this steadfast love for me means that he's in control and it's almost like his kind hands are sifting everything that touches me and not letting anything unkind come near me. And so I can trust in those darkest moments when I was so worried for my children. I had to come back to this idea that if God took me, it was for their good too. And it was for my good. And it was for Eric's good. And you don't have anywhere else to run. That's when you are facing death, you realize there is no one who can help you but God. And I really liked this quote by um, Calvin. He said, we only begin to place our trust firmly in him when death comes to present itself before our eyes. For until we have known by experience the vanity of the aids of the world, our affections continue entangled in them and wedded to them. And then another part of that, he's talking about worship. And in those moments when I had to depend on God's steadfast love for me and trust that he had sifted everything through his kind hands, this quote by Calvin just struck me as I meditated on that. The principal part of right worship, which the faithful render to God, consists in this, that they depend upon his mercy. So I think these two ideas of when we depend on God's mercy, we're rightfully worshiping him. So in those darkest moments when I was so dependent on his kindness and mercy, that's when my heart was most worshiping him. So it's a precious place to be. It is. It really is, Anna. Well, so you didn't die. His His hands sifted. And he took you to places where you were worshiping him by trusting in his his goodness and his loving kindness, his mercy. How has he been active in your family during this time? I mean, this affected all of you. Yeah. All of us, but particularly your immediate family. It did. Um, I think the first couple days, me sitting up in my room was pretty torturous. <laughs> because I could hear my one and a half year old screaming um, and, you know, my four year old yelling about things. And I knew, I knew if I was there, I could solve it pretty quickly because I can understand her. She's nonverbal right now. And my husband can't understand her as well. And he was trying 
to do all those things. Um, but he also had other pressures on him. And so me sitting up here listening, I was, it was very hard. But then as time went by, I noticed that the cries got less and less. And um, it was just a great opportunity for my husband to be with the kids more and me not to be there as the problem solver and the person who understands everybody and tries to make it all work. So Mm -hmm. I think that that was really good. Um, My one daughter said she loved, she missed me, but she really loved having daddy, you know, in charge too. Mm. So I think that they made a lot of really good memories. It's pretty special. How about in your marriage? It was, and my, we're, we're a retired army and my husband just kept saying, oh, this is another, another deployment, you know, that we're going oh. through. And um, th- I think that that helped that we had been separated before. And um I'm sorry. I was. That's okay. Interruption from child. No problem. (laughs) Interruption from child. Um, Okay. Let me gather my thoughts again. So this this idea that it it was like a deployment where you just kind of put your big kid panties on and you just, you know, proceed, right? This, this too will pass. Um, But it was, and you know, we would talk on zoom every night and we would just try to, but it was hard. And as I got better, it was harder because I felt a little more stir crazy up here. And then I think the hardest part actually for our marriage has been the reintegration time. It hasn't been the the time we were apart. What's been hard about that? Just communicating, trying to figure out how to give me time to rest still. And I can deal with stress by trying to control things around me. So I like my first day downstairs, I like Clorox the whole kitchen and I felt like I had to just, you know, get everything under control because I had been gone and that it wasn't true. And I needed to realize that I was just trying to make myself feel better by doing all those things. It was, it's kind of like an idol that I worship and I need to put that aside and say, okay, but really it's important for me to just sit down right now and rest for a couple of days. Cause I'm still getting better. Mm. So before we finish up, is, are there any last things that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, one of the things that I had was just struck with was how helpful it was for me to talk to people who had done hard things. And the verses that talk about, we can encourage others with the encouragement we ourselves have received. I'm very loosely quoting that, but Paul talks about that, that when we go through suffering, then we can take the encouragement that God has given us and we can then encourage others who are going through things. And that I found that very true, that when I could talk to someone who I knew had been through deep waters, I knew what they were saying was something I could listen to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also the idea that gratitude plays a large role in suffering well. And (laughs) um, that is not my own original thought that came from other people who've gone through deep waters. But as I learned to apply that myself during this time, 
it brought home the fact that when we practice gratitude, it's actually a part of the armor. It's taking up the shield of faith because if we don't, we're not thankful for things to someone unless we trust them. And so when I say, thank you, God, for my cough, thank you, God, that I'm not in the hospital. Thank you, God, for the fear that I feel. Thank you, God, for the fever. And I choose to thank him for those things. It's saying, I trust you, God. I trust that your hands are kind. And that's taking up the shield of faith. And so all those darts the enemy's trying to throw at me, Satan tries to throw darts of fear during these times. And all those darts are stopped by that shield because I'm saying thank you for them. So, so you're talking about a good and evil thing that's happening. So God's good, Satan's evil, and yeah. this shield in armor that you're talking about. Wh- where did you get those thoughts? From Ephesians 6, it talks about putting the on the armor of God in the Bible. It says that we, we don't wrestle against things that we can see. Mm. We wrestle against invisible things mm. that are warring against our soul. And when you face death, you know that, you know, that these, there's something beyond you and you might be going there. Mm. And so you are listening, you're thinking about these things. And as the Bible talks about our armor, it says that God gives us armor to protect us from these things. And one of the pieces of armor is the shield of faith. And it talks about the fact that Satan, our adversary, the devil, throws fiery darts at us and he seeks to wage war against our soul Mm. and he seeks to destroy us. Mm. But the thing that can stop the darts is the shield of faith and faith is a gift from God. Mm. And so we need to ask him for faith, but when we practice it, gratitude is a way to put it into practice. Mm. Those are good words. Thanks, Anna. It has been a joy to talk to you. And um, uh, we're looking forward to hearing what Eric says in our next episode. So thank you so much for being with us today. And we are so thankful that you are better. I have to admit, it was scary there for a while, especially during the nights. Yeah. Well, thank you, you, Anna. And um, for letting me share a little bit of my journey. Thank you. That wraps up Anna's part of this. Eric's perspective is coming up in the next episode. If you're wondering how in the world he survived 16 days alone with the kids and a dog, well, he's still wondering that too. The songs that Anna mentioned in this episode were Waymaker, originally by Sinatch, but recorded by a number of artists since then, including Michael W. Smith, and Remember by Brian and Katie Torwalt. We've included links to those songs as well as to the various Bible passages that Anna mentioned on the episodes page of our website. That's where you'll find the link to Anna's episode of Citizen Talk as well. Psalm 107 verse 43 says about stories like this, Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord.
If you have a story you'd like to share, or you know of someone who does, please go to our website at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com and click on Submit a Story. God is doing things all over in all of his people, and we want to know about as many stories as possible. So please do go to the website and submit a story. Also, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. You can tweet us at GodSeeing or comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages at Seeing God Podcast. You can also email us at seeinggodpodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced in the studios at Lancaster Bible College. I'm Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Our engineer is George Haynes. And our show music is Siberia by Dmitry Lukyanov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seeing God.